Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We certainly feel his presence when we're alone and we can feel his presence just in our home and our families. But there's just something about the combined effort of our praise and our worship together, blending our voices. Our focus prayer topic for this week has been, uh, for this month has been families. And for this week in particular, has been for our singles. And for a number of years, I have felt impressed with the Lord for many, many years to include this in my prayer daily, that God would touch those in our church family that, uh, that for whatever reason find themselves alone. This week, our focus prayer has been to find that our singles might find their right, rightful place in the kingdom. I believe there is a place for them. Amen. To devote themselves fully and completely to the work of God, to be confident in whatever it is that God calls them to do and set their hands to, to be content where they are in this life, in their singleness. And when God gets, uh, when God has the right person, he'll bring that person into our lives. Isn't that right? and to seek God's will for a maid if that is indeed their desire to be married and ask God to touch them and strengthen them. Amen. We want to pray and ask God to touch our families. We need the family of God to have a hedge of protection about them. Pray for our young people that God will help them as they mature, that they will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. Everything else we need in life, God will provide. He will do that Amen. Most often in the times when we least suspect it in our pursuit of him, he will add to us what we truly need. Amen. I am thankful to be home. Thank you for, uh, to Brother Rayleigh and uh, Brother uh, Jerry Herndon for speaking in our service Sunday and glad and rejoice when the baptism Sunday morning and appreciate your prayers for us while we were away. Brother and Sister Thomas send their love to you and we are very thankful for, for where God has planted them and to be able to meet their church family and, and uh, to reconnect with them. This morning, way before daylight, I woke up not feeling very well. I've been trying to fight something off all day. And uh, I'm just going to ask you, if you will, to pray for me right now. Would you do that? Amen. I believe that God can touch us and strengthen us. And so ask you just to do that. Can we just, let's take care of that order of business first. Can we do it? Lord, I'm asking you for strength. I pray for your anointing, Lord, in my mind and my heart tonight. And I ask you to let my lips be anointed lips for your service and my mind, an anointed mind for your service. And I pray tonight, God, that your will can be accomplished and that your word will find a resting place, a seat in our heart, if you please. Anoint us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. and. Let's join together, if you will. You can be seated. Join me, if you will, in the book of Luke, chapter 11, and verse number one and two. Again, I will, uh, I had no idea that the last time we visited the subject of the Lord's Prayer, 
that there would be such a long break in between January 24th and tonight. Amen. But here we are. I realize there's quite a chasm between our last visit and now, but in our previous studies, we talked about the fatherhood of God, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. We talked about the holiness of God. Thy kingdom come. We talked about the coming kingdom of God. And this evening, continuing in the book of Luke, I want to talk about the will of God. Amen. Not our will, but his will be done. And uh, it is those words find themselves so easily to fall off our tongue, slip across our lips. But to live out the will of God sometimes can be a much more uh, intentional thing. And I believe the will of God is certain. I don't believe the will of God, as I have tried to illustrate before, is some elusive bubble that we can never quite get our hand on it. And about the time we discover the will of God, it slips from our grasp and and makes us away, uh, away from us again. I don't believe that is a good description of the will of God. I believe we can find the will of God for our lives, walk in the will of God for our lives, but we certainly need to understand the value of the day-to-day operation of the spirit in our, in our world and how desperately we need to seek God's will, not just his will for a path in our life. I believe it's his will for us to live for him. I believe it's his will for us to be repentant and baptized in his name and filled with his spirit. But I also know that, that, we, that we have decisions to make that we, need, we really need the will of God to help us. Not necessarily about where we're gonna eat or what we're gonna consume, but there are times that we really need the will of God to be a part of our lives. And so I wanna talk about that. And I believe if we are committed to the coming kingdom, that we must also be seeking the fulfillment of God's will on the earth. What would you have us to be doing? Now, I realize that to some degree and for the most part, we have uh, decided that we are going to have church on Sunday and we're gonna have church on Wednesday. We're gonna begin our service at 10 a.m. on Sunday and 7.30 on Wednesday. And I think God has approved of that, but I don't necessarily think that's his will or it wouldn't be wrong if we change that to, we're gonna start at 7.25 or 7.35 or 9.45. The will of God that we need in our lives to guide us and direct us, we need to be asking God, what are we to do as a church body? Not necessarily just what sings, what songs should we sing or should it be a fast song or a slow song, but what is the will to help us in the fulfillment of the kingdom of God on the earth. And so let's talk about a little bit tonight about what we mean when we're speaking about the will of God. I think that some people tend to view life as though we're on a set of railroad tracks and that it's already kind of predetermined, predestined, and that we just, both in the minor events of our life and in the major events of our life, that we're just gonna follow some predetermined plan until we get to the end. That no matter what happens, we're gonna just stay right here on this track. And they would view the will of God as just some predetermined course for their lives or for our lives. As a matter of fact, sometimes people put such a strong emphasis on the predetermining or the overriding will of God that they almost deny any human responsibility 
or any human response to the gospel. I don't believe that we're on a, a roller coaster. I don't believe that we're on just some ride called life and we've left the gate and, and uh, we'll just be back as soon as we finish following these predetermined tracks and that we'll just end right back up at some predetermined place. I believe that God has given humanity the ability to choose. I've often said that it's one of the greatest and yet one of the most frightening gifts that God could have ever placed in our hands or given us the ability to do, and that is the ability to choose. So we choose whether or not we're gonna come to the house of worship. Then we choose when we come to the house of worship whether or not we're going to be responsive in the house of worship, whether or not we're gonna pray or we're gonna uh, praise or we're gonna worship or we're gonna kind of get involved or connected to the flow of the service. God has given us the ability to choose. <coughs> we are not robots. We are his creation and he has given us the ability to do his will. In the book of Matthew chapter 26, we read about Jesus praying very specifically for the will of God. He was in the garden of Gethsemane and according to the scripture, he, he knew that his hour had come and he was soon to die on the cross for the sins of the world. At the heart of this prayer, at the very center or the core of this prayer, I believe a very pivotal point of prayer he uttered these words, thy will be done. Sometimes we have, um, I think, wrongfully viewed this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, or some people at least have wrongfully viewed this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane as kind of a, of, of Jesus sort of resigning himself to fate. Well, if I just can't change your mind, then I will go to the cross. As if Jesus were, were, were somehow saying, please spare me or save me from this awful thing, but if it can't be, then I'm just gonna resign myself. I'm just gonna give in and wilt and do your will. But when we read about that account as to what happens next, it is, it is not the record of someone who is the victim of some fate. And so please, whatever you do, if that would be your mindset or you meet somebody with that mindset, just implore them to keep reading <laughs> because when you keep reading, you are not going to find a man that has just simply resigned himself to some weird fate that would unfold in his life. Amen, he dared to say this of his own life in John 10 and 18. He said of his life, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power, he said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. And so this is not a man who just rolled over and committed himself to the fate of life. Later, it would be Jesus saying to Pilate in John 19 and 11, he answered unto him and he said, thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivereth me unto thee hath the greater sin. When he said, he that hath delivered me unto thee, he was referring to Judas and the Jews that delivered him unto his hand. He is letting him know, you have no power at all except it had been given to you from above. So this is not a man that's just on the frail wings of fate and whatever happens is gonna happen. Que sera, sera. 
Jesus was pointing his finger at the establishment of that day and letting them know that I have the power to lay my life down and I have the power to take it up again. Amen. This is a staggering claim. Amen. If it was just all of its own, but it was validated at the resurrection, friend. He didn't just say, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it back up. But on resurrection morning, he revealed that he did indeed have power power to go to the cross, power to go to the tomb, and power to come out of the tomb. Praise God. When Jesus prayed this prayer, he wasn't thinking about himself, but he was thinking about a sinful world that he had come to save. There was, of course, the very natural repulsion at the thought of the death of the cross. This wasn't, he wasn't the first man to die on the cross, of course. At that time, the cross was a very, very common a very common method of death, albeit very, very cruel. It was a very common method of death. When he prayed that his father's will to be done, we have to understand that this was flesh crying out, our flesh praying to spirit. His heart was going out to this world with all of its guilt with all of its frustration, with all of its anxiety, with all the rebelliousness of humanity, Jesus Christ was giving his life for that kind of world. His prayer for others, I believe, became not only a prayer of commitment, but it became a prayer of involvement. You know, we can pray about a lot of things from afar and just say, really, Lord, we need you to move in this situation. But there's more to prayer than just doing something with our lips or uttering it. There comes a time we've got to roll up our sleeves and involve ourselves in the war that is at hand. Amen. This was not a prayer of resignation. This was not a prayer of fate. This is not a prayer, well, if it can be no other way. This was a prayer of involvement. And so I say to the church today, let us not just be a group of people that have learned and figured out how to murmur a few sayings toward heaven, but I pray that we are a body of people that understands the value of taking our prayers into the battleground and saying, Lord, help us. I don't remember who it was now that that the phrase war on the floor talking about prayer but prayer is indeed war on the floor it is war in the spiritual realm to take to take uh, the power and to take precedence over the power of the enemy this was not a prayer of resignation Jesus positively committed himself to the will of the Lord in the intense agony and the shame of the crucifixion this is what he said forgive them Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He prayed in that moment a prayer of forgiveness. Too often our prayer for God's will has become an excuse sometimes for us to just opt out of our responsibilities. Well, whatever the will of the Lord may be. Well, whatever the will of God may be. Amen, and I know it. I know that we have to pray that prayer and we have to mean that prayer, but I believe God desires us to consciously seek his will and not just hit that as some emergency switch. Amen. The will of the Lord be done. We do, the Lord constantly uh, desires for us to faithfully seek his will. And I believe that we can find the will of God and walk in the will of God. Amen. I pray often for our family and I pray for our church. I believe that we can 
discover the will of God and stay in the will of God by being prayerful, by, by continuing to read the word of God through our fellowship with one another, through our worship. I believe that we can, we can stay in the will of God through our service in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God found through the ministries of the local church. I believe all of those things help us to walk in the will of God. So we should ask ourselves, what is the will of God for me as an individual? What is the will of God for us as a family? And what is the will of God for us as a church? And may we pray always that, Lord, thy will be done. Thy will be done. That sounds pretty picturesque when you're away from the fight. (laughs) That sounds very, very nice when you're not in the throes of things. But in the throes of of the battle to say, God, let your will be done. It is a much more difficult thing. And you have to be much more intentional about that. In the school of Gethsemane, we learn to distrust our own ideas about what's best for us. It's very easy to pray when we think we know what's the best outcome. And so we kind of pray and our prayers are sort of prepackaged if we're honest because we already think we understand the right outcome. And if the Lord would just do this and this and this, it would all just be a sweet package and we could all go merrily on our way. But we learn to submit to God's will. Jesus earlier stated in John 6 and 38, he said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And proof of this is not a prayer of selfishness, of course, amen, and proof that the Lord's prayer is not a prayer of selfishness in and of itself. We can find that just in the beginning of what we've already studied. We've declared the holiness of God. We have asked for his kingdom to rule in our life, amen, and then now we are asking for his will to be accomplished. And so this prayer so far has nothing to do with us. And it has everything to do with the Lord. We're declaring his holiness. We're asking for his kingdom to rule. And then we're asking for his will to be done in our lives. So we're not standing on the other side of the counter demanding and making known what we wish to happen in our lives. Perhaps, perhaps that God would, uh, would if, if it were that God would just give us everything that we want, perhaps, how dangerous. I think I've lived long enough to see that if God had given me everything that I wanted, it would have been a disaster first class. On more than one occasion, Brother Gibson, what I thought was the absolute will of God proved to be, or had proved, as time went on, it proved to have, would have been completely detrimental, perhaps to my soul, maybe my family, whatever the case may be. And so I'm, I'm so thankful. There have been many times I'm, I'm, I've had to say, along with many here tonight, thank you, Lord, for saying no. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for closing that door. Thank you, Lord, for just staying silent. I'm so thankful for those times. And so it's very important for us to understand that prayer is not a tool for getting. Amen. Sometimes we think of prayer as just a tool to get what I want. I'm gonna pray and God is gonna hear this prayer and then I am going to you fill in the blank. And God is going to, you fill in the blank. 
Amen. But prayer, while it is not a tool for getting, it is, an, it is a tool of becoming. It is a tool for becoming what God intended for us to be. It's not just a saw to cut a hole through a door so that we can walk in or a hammer to knock out a wall so that we can go through. But prayer is a tool to condition us, to help us become what God intended for us to be. I think it's okay to let God know our needs. He talked about that we could come before him with our prayers and with our supplication. Amen, it's, it's in completely in order for us to bring our needs to the Lord. Amen, but when we pray, it's important to understand that God has a will for our lives. And I know that I'm looking at a void and I need God to fill in this void, but I also have to understand that God has a will for my life. So may this void be filled in the will of God and not in my will, on my time and in my way, thy will be done. Amen, I think it's important to understand that God does have a will. If we seek him daily, the Bible says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Amen, God is always gonna give us enough light to take the next step. I understand the frustration of God not giving us enough light to see 90 days ahead. <laughs> I understand the frustration of God not letting us just see clear into our tomorrows. But God always does give us enough light to take the next step. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so if his word is the source of light, I need to have his word with me. His word with me. I, I really trust that you take advantage of some sort of systematic way of reading through the Bible every year whether you read it from Genesis to Revelation, if you use the bread program or whatever it may be, I trust that you have some systematic form of reading through the Bible. With that being said, I am amazed how many times I have found the light that I needed when I was reading through a systematic way through the word of God. God knew yesterday where I would be reading today. <laughs> How, just pardon me, and I hope this doesn't sound sacrilegious, but sometimes I think that's just so cool. It's just so cool that I stopped reading yesterday where I stopped reading. I didn't need that yet, but tomorrow I'm gonna pick up the Bible and I'm gonna open it back up and I'm gonna go, wow. Light, not necessarily light enough for every answer that I've ever needed in my life, but light enough for me to take the next step. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. If I could just be in his will for this day, amen, his word is that lamp. And so you're gonna have to, if you're gonna enjoy the blessings of a flashlight, you're gonna have to purchase the light. And you're gonna to have to take it with you. You're going to have to carry it. It's going to have to be something handy to you. It's not easy to pray this because we're not used to surrendering our plans to God's purpose. We really want God to just kind of sanction what we do. It's all right if you don't jump up and run around. But we also, under, we also understand we're all human and sometimes we just want the Lord to let it all unfold the way we see best. Amen. But God doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we need. 
Amen. And so often we, 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 we can't figure out how certain things could possibly be the will of God or what could there possibly benefit from any of this. Again, we've all stood right there. Perhaps at least the majority of us have stood right there with, in a mess. We've just stood in the mud up to our knees and we've wondered what possible benefit could come from this. Amen, we have problems sometimes thinking that God is absent in our lives during those questionable situations. How could this possibly be his will? But then we have to remind ourselves that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. Amen, his thoughts are higher than ours. We're never gonna be able to see what God sees. And so we have to say, Lord, you're looking at the whole picture. I can only see a snapshot of right now, but you see into my tomorrows and you know exactly what I need. So praying thy will of but thy will be done means that we don't expect God to change his plans to accommodate my wishes. The reason some people avoid consideration of God's will is because they have misguided thinking. I'm not trying to be unkind, but sometimes people assume that the will of God is going to be too harsh or too difficult. And so it's often uncomfortable for people to say, Lord, thy will be done because we're afraid that God is gonna make us do something that we don't want to do. I believe that God, along with his will, creates desire. I truly believe that God is not gonna call you to do something and make you hate it every day of your life, make you miserable every day of your life, but he's gonna create in us a desire, amen, a desire to live according to his will. We should feel like David who prayed, I delight to do your will, O Lord. It is my honor to do your will. Just last Wednesday night, we had some missionaries that were standing behind this desk who made this comment, I am home. Homesick. <laughs> Homesick. Why? Because God doesn't just call you to some mission, but He gives you a desire for that mission, a true desire to pray. Thy will be done is evidence of our true Christianity. And so let's consider this reluctance to submit to God. You know, as a parent, if your children, if your child or your children came to you and said, You know what, Mom, Dad, I have made up my mind to fully obey you. When you woke up, <laughs> when you gathered yourself up off of the floor, you would not be thinking, all right, now I have an opportunity to make my children's life miserable. That would not be what we're thinking. If our children said, whatever you want me to do, I've decided that I'm going to obey you. We would not be trying to figure out some path of thorns and thistles and barbed wire. Amen. The same is true with God. When we surrender our will to his will, he doesn't say, well, now let me just find the most resistant path on earth and make them walk that or make them trod that. No, it's not his desire to make us unhappy, but God has what's best for us in his mind and in his heart. Jesus comments, on this in Matthew 7, Jesus asked, what man is there of you? If his son asked bread, would you give him a stone? What man would do that? What 
father would do that. If a son asked for bread, you would give him a stone. He went on to say, if man can think like that, how much more would your heavenly father not give you a stone for bread? I'm going to tell you tonight that we're not in a battle with the Lord. We're not in a competition with the Lord. This is not a fight, my friend. He wants his will to be played out in our lives and there's nothing to be afraid of concerning the will of God. Amen. The Bible often counsels us to wait on the Lord. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because we don't like to be put on hold. But part of trusting God is being willing to accept his timing. And there is a huge difference between the calling of God and the timing of God. And if we're not careful between the call and the timing, we can lose our course. And so when in doubt, we need to just pray, God, give me the courage and the patience to wait on you. Now, it would be nice if we could learn some sort of technique. You know, there's a technique about a lot of things in life. There's a trick to every trade almost. And there's certainly not a trick to learning to wait on the Lord. We just have to wait on him. Amen. We have, to, we have to understand the will of God comes from studying the word of God. It comes from intimacy and prayer. There's some fundamental things that some people think we're gonna graduate from, but we're never gonna graduate from Bible study. We're never gonna graduate from getting the word in us. The, the, the Lord spoke to Ezekiel and said that he needed to eat the whole loaf. Amen, we need to never... Never think that one day we're gonna get where we will never have to pray again. We're gonna kind of get to some status where we've got enough prayers prayed, enough prayers laid up that we've got it all sorted out, amen. But the will of God is gonna be found by walking through his word, by intimate praying, amen. We're gonna have to understand the value of embracing the silence of God, <laughs> The Lord spoke to Noah. Brother Rayleigh taught on this several years ago and, and he just very, very intricately and intentionally uh, spread out the call of Noah in a study or, or in a message several years ago. And he talked about how that God spoke to Noah about what to do about the building of the ark and all the dimensions. And it's so cool when we think about the, the ark and how detailed those instructions were. But the uncool part of that story is the unspoken part of that story. And that is this, that is that when God got through with all those detailed instructions, he never said anything again. Am I right? <laughs> and so we, Noah had to go all of those years dealing with the silence of God. Now I know we would have all loved to have been present when God was talking. But how trying it is to be present when God is not talking. Amen. So we have to accept the silence of God. I'm going to hasten here. Since God is going to prevail, some people say, why should I pray if already the Lord knows my need? Amen. We come to God in prayer not to try to change his plans or his mind, but we come to God in prayer for God to help us embrace his plan for our lives. Help me, God, to be prepared. Prayer is an act of yielding to a divine plan. It transforms us through prayer. God transforms us through prayer. And even though our circumstances don't change. Now, I'm, I realize that I am preaching and teaching to people tonight that have understood the value of this because it's been played out in your own life. That your prayer life didn't change your situation but it did change how you felt about your situation. It gave you strength in your situation and so 
Prayer, the goal of prayer is deepening our life of dependency upon the Lord. Amen. Because God has not promised us that we're gonna like every mile of the trip or every portion of the journey, but our obedience to his will is more important to God than our day-to-day happiness. Amen. But God, I believe, can make us content no matter where we are. How many understand the difference between contentment and happiness? We may not be giddy about where we are, but God can help us to be content where we are. Praise God. It's not easy praying thy will be done when somebody you know and love is sick. Amen. We want nothing less for them than the full recovery. But yet, if we are people of faith, then we have to understand that God has a purpose that I can't see. God is doing something that I can't get my mind around. I can't understand it all, so I'm gonna trust him. It's wise to pray. Lord, we just are asking you for the best possible outcome. Amen. I I hope that I'm not sounding too wishy-washy for you tonight, but I'm going to tell you that many times, amen, we have to understand and value to say, God, you know what's going on here better than I know what's going on. I know what I want to see happen, but we're praying for your will to be done for the best possible outcome. I've often prayed, God, this is what I want, but you know what's best for me. I've got a few items on a short list that I pray about. I try not to bug God about it every day. I'm, I'm being honest about that. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I just try not to bring it up every day. But there are a few things on a little short list over in this little left column of my mind that I just bring up from time to time. And I say, Lord, this is what I like. I would like to happen, but I don't know if it's your will. And I really don't know if it's his will. It's not sinful or vile but I don't know if it's his will, but you know if it's your will. And if it is, I'm just asking you to bring that, uh, bring that about. Amen. We have to bring our petitions to God by faith and then leave those results in the hand of God. Now, I'm, I'm gonna share something maybe to kind of underline what I'm talking about with you here. And I, I'm probably gonna slide out on a little bit of thin ice. I'm not trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial, but I think it's something worth noting that sometimes we pray for things and we don't really know the other side of this. And so here's a biblical illustration and I'll just leave this with you. I'm not trying to start an argument, but Hezekiah prayed that God would extend his life and God granted him his request and gave him 15 more years. And so what Hezekiah thought was a blessing turned out to be a curse because in those 15 years, he lost out with God. And so he would have been better off. (laughs) Am I being too bloody? He would have been better off to have died 15 years ago. I'll tell you one better than that or further than that, not better than that, but just take this, we'll just move the mark a little bit further down the line, but his family would have been better off because he acted in a way that the Lord said, from this point on, your sons will be eunuchs in the house of the king. In other words, his sons were gonna be slaves 
and they would be eunuchs and they would never be able to have children. I'm trying to keep this as clean as I can. And so there were, your name is never gonna be carried on. It's gonna die here and now. So what Hezekiah was dancing one minute thinking, my, I have really gotten a blessing here from the Lord, turned out not only to be a curse for him, but a curse for his family. And so I know that is a very tough thing to embrace, but I'm asking us to consider that the next time we lay our hands on something to say, God, do this. We had better season this with Lord. You know what is best in this situation. I know what we want, but you know what is best. Amen. We might pray a prayer that we are not able to accept the outcome of that prayer ultimately. I will share one more thing with you and this is a scripture that I often think about when tragedies happen in someone's life and and it's not a scripture that I use very often. Certainly, I have felt, I have felt impressed to, to talk to families about this but I will tell you that it's, it can be a slippery slope. But Isaiah 57 and one, do you have... Have the Isaiah 57 and one. The Bible says the righteous perisheth and no man layeth it to heart and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Wow, I'm just leave that scripture there. My wife and I and, and as well as many people in this sanctuary tonight know of people who we think have just so prematurely been taken out of this world. We wonder what in the world, what? I am certainly not trying to designate Isaiah 57 and one as the answer for every situation, but I'm gonna tell you it is a scripture that my mind goes to. The righteous perisheth. And nobody ever stops to think about that when merciful men are taken away, none considers that God may have been saying, I'm gonna take them now and spare them the evil that is to come. Because you see, we've been studying for the month of March portraits of grace. Grace, we think, is all mushy and sweet and angelic and, oh, grace, grace, wonderful grace. But you see, grace was the long-pointed finger of judgment when Nathaniel, when Nathaniel said to, to David, thou, Nathan said to David, thou art the man. It didn't feel like grace right then. And it didn't feel like grace for a long time to come. It didn't feel like grace when he was burying that child. It didn't feel like grace when he lost four sons. Amen but it was grace, God's grace. So, I don't know. I'll just leave that with you tonight. That we have to be very, very careful saying, God, do this. Just because you have the power to do something don't mean you should do it. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray right here. Lord, I'm asking you today, Jesus, I just feel the closeness of your presence right now. I'm not even sure I understand what I feel, Lord, right now, but I just ask you to help us to understand the value of your spirit and your power speaking.
speaking to our heart, speaking to our lives. And I pray your anointing would be upon us. Help us to pray and be sensitive to your spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You see, our prayers have built-in consequences. And so we have the choice, the power of choice, as I mentioned a moment ago, and, and, and we have the power to say yes to God, but we also have the power to say no to God. How frightening that is. Not that people say yes to God, but that people have the power to say no to God. I'm going to tell you from the vantage point of where I'm standing tonight, I have watched countless people, countless people that have felt such a defined touch of God and the power of God and the conviction of God in a given service and they would get up and walk away and walk outside and just shake off everything that they have been feeling, the power of choice. It's a dangerous gift. It is a very dangerous gift. It's a frightening thing to me. Amen. God is not the author of sin, but we are responsible for our choices and we are personally accountable for how we conduct our lives. And so we need to pray and ask God to help us guide our decisions. Help me to do what is right and in your will. At times, we, we regretfully decide things on our own apart from God. We can all say amen to that because we've all been there. We've just decided this is what we're going to do and many times we've had to live with the ill consequences of those decisions. Amen. In 1 John 5 and 14 we're told that we can approach God with confidence and we can ask anything according to his will and he hears us. He hears us. Now I want us to understand this is not God giving us a blank check. This is not God handing us a blank check and a pen. Our prayers have got to be in harmony with his will. Amen. If, they are not, uh, if their prayers are not answered, then it is either not the will of God, period, or it is not the will of God right now. And so whatever the case may be, help me to temper my prayer. I want to be persistent in prayer, but I also don't want to become entangled and ensnared with things. Amen. The enemy doesn't care what he traps us with. He can trap us with anything, so we need to ask God to place in us a desire to want what he wants, desire what he desires, and then pray accordingly. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'll try to find an ending here. Amen. We should pray with confidence. Romans 8 and 28. All things are working together. Pray with confidence. Prayer releases the power of God in our life to work in our life. And so when we pray, we're not just uttering words into the atmosphere. We're not just babbling into the wind. But God hears our prayer. We can live with a spirit of expectation. There are four wills, four wills that struggle for the obedience of mankind. And so hear me in closing. Our own will we have to really fight against our own will at times. And the next thing is other people's will. Because I'm gonna tell you point blank, look you dead in the eyes that there are some people that will call you to do certain things or attempt to call you to do certain things. I've been told more than one time, we have been told more than one time 
this is what you should do. We had to seek the will of God for our lives, not somebody else's will for our lives. There is Satan's will. We had to fight against Satan's will. And then there's God's will. These four wills are always in struggle. Our will, other people's will, Satan's will, and God's will. Amen. And so we need to pray together. I want to close with these words. If you notice that we're halfway through the Lord's Prayer, and our requests have not even come up yet. We won't start that until later because the Lord's Prayer doesn't start with us, even though sometimes our prayers start with us. Amen. Someone wrote this many years ago. I've, I've shared it a couple of times, but it still is very interesting to me. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say I. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say my. Nor can you pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for one another. And when you ask for daily bread, you must include your brother. For others are included in each and every plea from the beginning to the end of it. It doesn't once say me. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Amen. God, I'm asking you tonight to touch our hearts to touch our lives together. We're, we are in a race today, God, and we want to win. We certainly want to be successful in, in the heavenly aspect of this thing. We pray, God, that we would not measure our success by the mile mark or the measuring stick of men. But I pray today, God, that your will would be unfurled in our lives and that we can place our hand on it. And that we can walk God uprightly and circumspectly before you. And that we would pray always at the center of everything we do to balance God, the fervency of prayer. We ask you, God, to help us to temper that and balance that, O oh Lord, with your spirit, your will to be accomplished in our lives. That is the most important thing. That is the most important thing. Amen. Amen. I'll leave you with that tonight. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. We have a tremendous responsibility and I pray that God would help us and anoint us with all of our heart. Let's be, let us pray that prayer. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.